Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. and welcome to the Abroad Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by top London radio DJ and certified Japanophile, Mr. Pete Donaldson. Pete, how you doing? It's probably the best way of learning about life in Japan if you want to learn about life in Japan from one man who's obsessed with a particular brand of ice cream and one man who <laughs> is obsessed with a particular brand of, oh, I don't know, meat... You like you eat a lot of meat, beef, beef. Yeah, there's a reason. There's a reason you don't do the intros, Pete, because uh, meat not quite as elegant. Beef when you when you phrase it, is it? No. <laughs> dear, oh dear. I I must admit though, I I am currently eating a Terry's chocolate orange. It's rather delicious. Uh, if if you, if you don't think live we in, have those outside the UK, no. If you don't live busily, it's a congealed cricket ball of chocolate. Um, that also contains um, a zesty orange kick, and uh, yeah, it's it's fairly orange pleasant. Orange chocolate, yeah, it's fairly pleasant. It's good. Great with a cup of I tea. I was down the uh, there's a foreign goods shop in Sendai, and they sell all sorts of things like cheese and mm. crisps, like Lay's crisps from the US. And uh, yeah, I saw the Terry's chocolate orange. Said I'm having I, that. I felt like I had to get it. Yeah, it's been glorious. <laughs> what kind anyway, of? Anyway, uh, how have you been, Pete? Good. Yeah, good. I'm just uh, enjoying a cup of tea. Thinking about the uh, foreign goods shop. What kind of uh, cups of tea do they have? Because they always have like, weird like Barry tea and stuff instead of your PG tips, your classics like your Yorkshire teas and stuff. They always have like Barry's tea or some kind of Irish mix. Who wants Irish Barry's tea? tea? Yeah. Um, so if I ser- if I see Barry's tea, I'll certainly be buying it. Um, just because who wouldn't want Barry's tea? Um, no, unfortunately, it's just Twinings, mm. the standard oh, okay, British right. overpriced tea. Oh well, at least yeah, at least you can, yeah, yeah, at least you can get some bit of Earl Grey. That's pretty pleasant. I, that, that's probably my tea of choice. I do I do like a bit of Lapsang every now and again, nice and smoky. This is it's turning into the tea podcast. Tea, tea, podcast. tea review, yeah. Absolutely. While I was um, while I was in the foreigner good shop, though, I saw um, the foreigner good shop. That sounds Ooh. kind of sinister. The foreign goods shop. I uh, was spotted by some viewers from Thailand, oh. which was quite an odd. I've never had any um, viewers from Thailand stop and say hello. Mm. So I was kind of caught off guard. I thought I'd done something wrong at first. They sort of stopped me and was like, "Oh, hello," and they sort of. I thought I was in their way or something, but uh, yeah, it was kind of a weird moment. It's nice to know. 
that the tentacles of the Abroad Japan Empire stretch all the way to Thailand, yeah. Southeast Asia. I, I like the Delightful. idea. I like the idea of you being caught shoplifting Cher- Terry's chocolate oranges, <laughs> like half eating one, got one in your pocket, got two <laughs> up your up your jumper, bit of Barry's tea. boobies, yeah, bit of Barry's tea. <laughs> oh, that was good. So, yeah, so hello to the that. to the Thai people who saw you in the I shop. Did. Took a nice little photo. It was glorious, um, and it boosted my ego, <laughs> as it always does when a fan or a viewer stops and says hello. Somebody, somebody, um, somebody stopped me in uh, in a club in uh, Cardiff. I stayed. I went in Car- to Cardiff a couple of weeks ago, and somebody uh, took a picture of me, and I was drinking a Bud Light. Now, if you're familiar with my um, proclivities, my interest in alcohol, Bud Light is very much not one of my favourite drinks. So I was caught on camera having a Bud Light. That's- that's effectively a crime. Isn't that Why terrible? Are you, I mean, Shocking. Budweiser's not that good in the first place, let mm. alone Bud Light. That's, <laughs> that's awful. What were you doing? I don't know. Why just, would you do that? I just wanted something uh, lighter. I just didn't want to drink anymore, but I wanted the fluid. So instead of getting water, I got myself a Bud Light. <laughs> that's, that is not good. Yeah, not great, not great, is it? Not great. Oh, well. Um Today, though, guys, we are doing a podcast episode dedicated to reading out your questions and stories from the fax machine. Um, as I mentioned about a month ago, it's not a real fax machine, um, so if you do ask me for the fax machine telephone number, I'm not going to give it to you because it's not a real fax machine. That said, we should actually probably invest in a fax machine, Pete, Yeah, it would be kind of cool. Well, I think you can get them digitally now. I don't think you need to worry about all of the... Uh... You know, the actual... Nah, it's got to be analogue. It's got to be, be real. has to be analogue. There's no half measures on a fax machine. You've got to get the real thing. And it's got to be in your house. Yeah. In your apartment. Oh, in my in house. Corner. Okay, right, okay. In uh, HQ. a pile of coolish ice cream <laughs> and despair. Um, but yeah, I don't know where we can get one. I'll have a look around the second second-hand goods shop, and there's bound to be a few going for a few thousand years. Yeah, I think, I think you've got um, more chance but, than me of getting one. <laughs> Yeah, you never know what you can find. Um, we'll give it. A, we'll give it a whirl. If I find one, we'll make it happen. <laughs> but we probably won't. Either way, the first story is from Michael from Coventry in the UK. He says, "Hello, Chris and Pete. I'm loving the podcast. I discovered it about two weeks ago, and I've been ploughing through four episodes a day, and it doesn't get boring. So well done. Four episodes a day. That's at least two hours." Well done. Uh, I visited Japan with a friend of mine two years ago and had a fantastic time. On our first night. After we landed in Osaka, we dined at the hilariously named Yakiniku uh, fried meat, grilled meat restaurant called Sex Machine. <laughs> After befriending the staff, they took us on a booze-filled tour of Dotonburi with their friends until the early hours of the morning. Such a great and amazing welcome to the country. I'm planning on returning this October, this time with my girlfriend, and I'd be interested in any advice about any sites or places that are good for couples. Keep up the great work, Michael from Coventry. Um, I must admit, I wouldn't be overly enthusiastic to walk into a grilled meat restaurant called Sex Machine, but each to their own. Sounds (laughs) kind of fun, I guess. yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be eating food in somewhere called Sex Machine. That just doesn't seem like a a great place to eat. I mean, it's not, it's not a great name for a for a restaurant, really. <laughs> I mean, whatever, whatever you're selling, I don't think. What do you think? It's a bit on the nose. What do you think was going through the owner's mind when he woke up one day and was like, "Yes, I know what I'm going to call my grilled barbecue restaurant Sex mm. Machine." <laughs> what was, at what point did he think, "Yes, this is definitely a good idea." I mean, it's not even like like Love Machine uh, might be a bit more, a little less on the nose. I just you know you only get one chance to uh, p- 
put a name on the front of your um, building, and that just seems very, very strange. But I guess branding in Japan, because all of the buildings are so kind of tightly packed together, and Tokyo is obviously the most populous in, in particular. Mm. Um, uh, Tokyo and Osaka, secondarily, um, is obviously a very uh, populated place. And so you'd be in a situation where, like, you, your little your little logo would just be next to a lot of lo- other logos on a building that you could be on at the seventh floor or whatever. So I guess branding mm, isn't mm. quite Good as point. important as it is. You wouldn't need to make, make a bespoke sign or, you know, a, a shop frontage for it. You just need to have a little sign indoors uh, and maybe some signs on the menu. So maybe you can rebrand quite easily in Japan. I don't know. <laughs> what would you call your grilled, your grilled meat restaurant if you had one? Hot meat, clearly. Hot meat sounds just <laughs> oh. as sexy. Hot, greasy, I mean, that, hot, greasy meat. That kind of works. It still <laughs> sounds messed up, but it yeah. works nonetheless. Probably better than Sex Machine as well. <laughs> what would that be? Hot um, Atsui Niku. <laughs> Atsui Niku, yeah. yeah. We could probably go with Hotto Niku. Hotto Niku, yeah. Lovely. Hotto Mito. <laughs> go full guide, I go. Um, in terms of advice um, on things to do for couples... I would go to USJ, Universal Studios Osaka. That's where I went on two dates, I think. I think oh. Two dates with two different girlfriends there. And they loved it. And I liked it too. And there's a really cool Harry Potter. They've, they've rebuilt, like, they've built the whole of Hogwarts almost to scale. And it's just amazing. And it's the best thing ever. So if you like Harry Potter, take her there. And that's, that's the only thing I can think of. It's good for couples in Osaka. There you have, go. You uh, have you been? Yeah, I've been to Osaka. Osaka. Do you see Hogwarts? Uh, no, I didn't go to the Universal Studios. Um, maybe take her on. Um, there's a lot. Like a lot of towns have big wheels. Just take her on a big wheel. Everyone likes a big wheel. There's one. In, there's yeah, one near. There's one near. Uh, is it Odaiba? Um, Pallet Town. Go to Pallet Town. Get on a big wheel in, in Tokyo. Uh, I don't know Osaka. There's that one that's connected to the um, big. Um, shop. Sea What's World? that big shop? No, there's a big shop. What's that big shop? Oh, Don Quixote. Don Quixote. There's a big, big wheel in Don Quixote for some bloody reason. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Universal Studios and a big wheel. Yeah. What more could you possibly need? Um, got one from Jackson from San Francisco. I'll hand that over to you, Pete. All right. Hi, Chris and Pete. I love the recent trend of incorporating weird and wacky stories from listeners there. Hilarious. I went to Japan for the first time in May 2017, right after university graduation. It was a great time, but I didn't have much money as it was before I began working. Now that I'm a grown working man... Ooh, look at you, uh, Jackson from San Francisco. I'm a grown working man. Um, I have money to spend for my second Japan trip to Tokyo in July 2019. Um, I love Japanese food. and want to blow my amassed wealth on a food tour that I will remember so that I will do... Uh, uh, so I want to do uh, extensive research before I go, but I noticed that Tokyo doesn't seem to use Google reviews or Yelp much. There are very few reviews. I want to know what apps slash sites do Japanese people actually use to rate restaurants. Um, how should I be mm. identifying the best food places? Please share your wisdom. Thanks and never change. I mean, I don't know about you, Chris, but like, uh, I would like to know this answer as well uh, because obviously whenever you go anywhere, and certainly somewhere foreign, um, when you get a place that's got like uh, English reviews and good reviews, um, it's really swamped by tourists because obviously it's the only thing that's written in yeah, English, um, and obviously English is a universal language. Um, so yeah, it would be quite nice to sort of figure out what what's the site that locals use, and maybe we can try and translate from working backwards from there. Well, I mean, I actually do use Google more often than not these days. It's got a lot more popular over the last few years. Um, so usually I actually do use Google Maps. So I'll just go on Google Maps, type in the type of uh, restaurant I want to go to, like yeah. Yakiniku, 
barbecue restaurant and then I'll just pick and see what the reviews are like and if it's called Sex Sex Machine I, I probably won't go there but <laughs> another website the one the Japanese people often use the most is probably Guru Guru Navi um, which literally means gourmet navigation ah. uh, Guru Navi G-U-R-U-N-A-V-I and last time I checked a lot of it is in English or it's got this really dodgy translation tool which they basically got some sort of Google Translate tool embedded in the website right um, that makes it quite fun but uh, yeah Guru Navi is one of the better ones and on there you can kind of look at an area and go to the best um, top rated restaurants uh, so that's the one I would go to and uh, yeah I mean Guru Navi is the one to go to mm. that's the that's Guru the Navi and they'll, they'll have it all listed and reviewed I'm writing that but, down uh, yeah yeah Google Google reviews about two or three years ago, it wasn't that popular, but these days it seems to have been adopted and adopted by Japanese people, and it mm. seems to work. So, yeah, don't rule it out. Definitely consider Google. Uh, don't know what Yelp is. I've never really used that, so mm. avoid Yelp. Thanks, Jackson. The doubt that hasn't been invented here yet. Um, and yeah, that's basically it, really. That's. I mean, I eat out quite a lot. I eat out sometimes like three or four times a week, um, and. Google has never let me down. I haven't been out for a bad meal. My only thing is I, I never go to a restaurant that has less than 4.0 on Google. Mm. Go less, go below 4.0 and uh, you never know what you might get. Probably I always, I, I always, I always found that um, bars and stuff get reviewed quite harshly from people because they don't understand cover charges mm. and stuff. They don't like paying... I mean, it's a lot of skinflints online. <laughs> like, people who... Yeah. Uh, there's something about... I remember reading a book about the creators of um, Viz, which is like a comic, like an adult comic uh, in uh, mm. England, in, in, in the UK. And... Um, the the guy was talking about how people from the northeast, um, no matter whether they're skinflints or not, they will um, or, or good with money or bad, they will never resent spending money on booze. Um, and so, like, there's a lot of bar reviews in Japan and anywhere around the world, really, where it's like, oh, the drink's a bit expensive. It's like, it's a drink, it's a glass of wine. You know, it's not going to be a pound. Mm. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So it's it's. Um, I, I think you take some of those reviews with a pinch of salt. And if you'd like moving on to like nightclubs or anything later than one o'clock in the morning, um, everyone's had a bad experience. Nobody goes to nightclubs for a good time. <laughs> Nobody goes to that sort of place for a good time. So people are always having a terrible time. Oh, the bouncer kicked me out. The bouncer was horrible to me. Uh, the, the man stole my bag. Like no one has a good time in there. So if you don't ex- like, don't expect a good time in there. That's all I'm saying. But certainly don't go on to Google and go, oh, it's so terrible. The bouncer was horrible. The bouncers are always horrible. That's what their job is. Unless you're an American, they're very, they're very nice. <laughs> Damn bouncers. Um, what's interesting when you look at a review is the reasons that it doesn't do well. Um, I remember I was looking at a restaurant just yesterday in Sendai, mm. and uh, it got bad reviews. And the most common thing I see on Google, the reason Japanese people don't like a place, is usually it's the customer service. Right. The customer service isn't up to scratch. They're extremely critical in Japan of customer service, which is interesting because customer services in Japan are like the best in the world. Mm. The staff treat you like a god. Um, so, yeah, I it's, it's quite an interesting one, but they're very critical of customer service. So maybe you can let it go, <laughs> given that our standards in the West are a lot lower, Yeah, especially in the UK. Massively. Um, yeah. Um, got one here from Jason. It says, hi, Chris and Pete. Ohio. From Ohio. It's clever, that. Ah. Uh, love the podcast. I listen while I run, and I just caught up the most recent episode while running my first ever half marathon. Wow. Well done, Jason. I've never done a marathon, and I'll be damned if I do. 
or will or yeah it's not happening I'll be starting a new journey in North Japan as an ALT assistant language teacher in 2020 and my question for Chris is when you moved Japan what did you bring with you and uh, what did you leave behind keep up the great work guys your stories about Japan inspire me to keep moving forward in more ways than one cheers Jason I left behind everything Jason mm. it was actually really kind of fun I don't know if you've ever done it Pete if you've ever I suppose you moved from Hartlepool to London but when I moved to Japan I sold off everything I had um, I went to a boot sale uh, car boot sale what the, what they called in America uh, flea market garage right? sales garage sale or flea market mm. and I, yeah I just sold all my DVDs I got a big DVD collection I sold my car I sold I think that's all I had DVDs in the <laughs> car uh, but I, I made at least £200 from all my worldly possessions and I spent that I think I spent that on like the, the train ride from Narita Airport to, to, to Tokyo <laughs> but um, yeah I didn't really it was just really liberating getting rid of everything yeah. it's kind of fun does it, does it bring you joy? It's going in the bin. I um, didn't you bring a full? <laughs> didn't you bring a full pipe organ to, uh, to to Tokyo? Though you insisted on bringing your your favourite pipe organ. It was it was a weird aberration. Yeah, yeah, like a massive church organ. Um, that was that was foolish. I think in many respects, Chris, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> that sounds like the premise for a great film. Um, <laughs> a weird British guy coming to Japan with a pipe organ. Um, yeah, I. Mario condoed my entire life basically and just chucked it all away. Nothing How satisfying. Me yeah, I was quite bitter though. I had a hundred DVDs that I'd spent thousands of pounds on probably, and I sold them all for like one pound a DVD. <laughs> Quickly realised that a DVD has no meaningless. Value and, yeah, it doesn't yeah. worst investment ever. Never mind. Um, but uh, yeah, I so I came with. I think I had like I borrowed some money from either my family or the bank. I borrowed a few thousand pounds. And that's all I really brought with me, just a few thousand pounds. I think I had four grand, four thousand yeah. pounds. And that kind of saw me through until I got my four, my first paycheck. So yeah, just bring some money. Travel light, and <clears throat> uh, I think it'll be a lot easier. In the words I'm not of someone the... who moves into somewhere and has to kind of inject my personality into it though in, yeah. in terms of like putting up photos and things on the wall I mean what do you need I more than like clothes minimalism. you just need some pants some clothes and a laptop what else do you need really exactly the big the big three pants clothes <laughs> and laptop and money <laughs> job done good luck though Jason yeah as well. have fun um, yes we've got an email from who's it? oh it's Adam Adam from uh, Saskatchewan uh, I think it's Sas- Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan. Oh god, that's a mouthful, isn't it? Saskatchewan in uh, Canada. I think that's where the Yeti comes from, isn't it? Either way, we, I, d- I do a lot of uh, voiceovers for the Disco- for a Discovery Channel derivative, and uh, we do a lot of uh, building Alaska, Alaskan bush people, a lot of people living off grid in Alaska. Mm. Um, it looks it's, it sounds very chilly. Anyway, um, hi guys, Adam here. I've been watching since 2016. And I've loved the podcast ever since the first episode. My favourite video being the Love Hotel one with the room filled with them stuffed animals. Yeah. Uh, my question is, we uh, know that Japanese has many borrowed words in both the written and the spoken language, like words for camera and te- uh, television and radio, uh, as you've explained before. But I was wondering if there were in any... Uh, gai- uh, is it Gairaigo? Gairaigo from uh, languages gairaigo. other than English. Uh, any Gairaigo from languages other than English? Uh yeah, I think tempura is Portuguese, is it not? Oh, right, okay. Yes, that rings a bell. That does ring a bell. 
I think I was in I was in Lisbon last week and I was having a in the menu it sort of said <laughs> it had like the history of Portuguese um, colonialism and it was like we went to Japan and brought some uh, some of the batter with us some battering techniques um, and that's all we've done. It literally just said that's all we did was we go to Japan and we gave food to the world and I was thinking. Yeah, no, you no, you definitely did some terrible things. Like every colonial power did some terrible things around the world. It was like one thing was we took some batter to uh, to Japan. It was like, yeah, what about all the other stuff in the world you did? Though <laughs> naughty, <laughs> naughty Portugal. Um, exactly. I would say uh, my favourite uh, J League team is uh, Ventforet Kofu, which is uh, in Kofu, and they are a compound word of vent, meaning wind in French, and foret meaning forest. Uh, in French, so yeah. I mean, there are quite a lot of words. Um, Portuguese, because the Portuguese arrived in Japan quite an early time, they brought a lot of the language with them. So there's words like uh, the word for velvet, they use the Portuguese word, which is, uh, I think it's veludo. Veludo? Ah. Maybe. But in J- Japanese, Gairaigo, the word for velvet is uh, birodo. Right. Birodo. Sounds a bit like my name, Broad. Uh, Bilodo, <laughs> Bilodo. Using Vilodo, the sort of ah, the Portuguese word. Yeah. Um, so even beer, biru, is they taken from the Dutch word bier. bier ah. Like. Difficult one for me, given my lack of language knowledge outside of English and Japanese. But uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of Dutch, Portuguese. Um, Germany, they use Deutsche. Deutsche. Um, which is taken from the Dutch or German word Deutsche, Deutsch. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely a lot, but mostly mm. it is English, there's no doubt yeah. about that. English is where it's at. Uh, well, there's French as well, French is pretty popular. Mm. Uh, that They use, for the word beauty salon, they often use este, este, ah. um, using the French word esthetic. But I'm butchering numerous languages now, so I'll end it there. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. You can find them out online, though. If you just type in, like, uh, Japanese guide Igor, you can see a list, I think, on Wikipedia that gives you uh, all the countries they come from. It's quite interesting. It's quite interesting. But, yeah. Nice. I'd say 80 to 90% are English. So, well done. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. On English. Um, hey Chris and Pete, my name is Aviad, which is cool if you didn't pronounce it correctly, it's a very Jewish name. After travelling to Japan, I came to the conclusion that because of its unique culture, Japan isn't for everyone. And because I plan to travel back to Japan after the 2020 Olympics, I'm concerned um, because a lot of people who don't understand and respect the Japanese culture are going to be staying in Japan and the Japanese might change their attitude towards tourists and not in a good way. Do you think my concern is justified, or am I just jumping to baseless conclusions? Uh, love the podcast. Keep up the awesome work. And have a good one, Aviad. That's a really good point, actually. It's mm. something I'd thought about before. Um, I mean, given the fact that a lot of British people are worried about how the, the with the impending rugby coming up in September, uh, a lot of people are worried how rugby fans might react. But certainly, yeah, it's a real issue. Um, I think. Japanese culture has a lot of rules and things that uh, we there's just so many rules like it's there's so bloody many compared to most other cultures and there's no doubt that a lot of those rules are going to be broken pretty easily uh, <clears throat> by foreign travellers and foreign visitors <clears throat> coming to the Olympics so yeah I think it could be a real issue we'll certainly know afterwards mm. I mean there was I mean there was a World Cup uh, in South Korea and uh, Japan uh, a few years ago mm, so I mean it, they survived that um, but I, I think I made it very clear of my opinion about rugby fans a little earlier on. But you know, the, it, it's a, it's a. If they have to have a taste of how the rest of the world works, then you know we can't hide forever, yeah. can we? We can't. Our disgusting uh, Western ways can't hide forever. <laughs> Hopefully, I'll uh, see a nice tasty boom in views on like twelve things not to do in Japan. Video. Yeah, damn right. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Certainly, it'll be after the Olympics is over, there'll be loads of TV programs and news about it. Yeah, I think that'd be really interesting. Actually, seeing the uh, Japanese Japanese thoughts on post Olympic life mm. and how it all unravelled. We'll find out. Only another year and a half to go. Yeah, how do, um, I, how do we get a slice of this action? How do we get flown out there? Do a few instructional <laughs> videos. <laughs> <laughs> Just do it, Pete in Japan. Yeah, get get on with it, Pete. <laughs> Um, got one from Matt says hello Chris and Pete my name is Matt and I'm Hi, a university Matt. student from the great state of Washington I often listen to your podcast on the walks to and from class or in bed before I go to sleep my question is 
Is convenience store food truly as good as everyone says it is? I want to save money to go to Japan for three weeks in the near future, but I definitely won't have enough to be eating Wagyu beef and sushi every night. Is Lawson's, 7-Eleven or Family Mart good enough, for example, to sustain me for three tasty meals every day for a week without me losing my mind or getting diabetes? As always, keep up the great work. I'm looking forward to more podcasts. Best, Matt. Um, what do you make of that, Pete? I mean, yeah. Very, very easy, very easy for this one, uh, Matt. Yes, you can easily have three square meals, if not five square meals a day, uh, from Family Mart, (laughs) which won't break the bank, and you'll have a lovely time. So you don't have to eat in restaurants. (laughs) Well, I mean, when I cycled across Japan for Journey Across Japan, I lived off of all three of those convenience stores pretty much every day for Mm. two months, and I didn't eat healthily at all. Uh, I ate a lot of fried food, a lot of unhealthy sandwiches, but it was pleasant. It was quite nice. So you can live off them, but it won't be good for your health. But if you're <laughs> over here for just three weeks, you'll be fine. But certainly, a lot of the good work done from cycling over a thousand kilometres across Japan was unravelled by my dietary habits going to these convenience stores. So <laughs> healthy it's not, but convenient it is. <laughs> Glorious. Definitely. Oh, we got an email from Brian in Oregon. Um, I have a friend. I have a friend. He started learning Japanese in college, and I have a friend who's going to visit uh, family in Okinawa this summer, and I've arranged for her to bring me some snacks when she returns. I've been intrigued ever since you, uh, I heard you talk about things like Tokyo Banana and Sake Kit Kat, but I was wondering if you had some other suggestions on things I should ask my friend to try and grab. Coolish sounds wonderful, but I don't think that would survive the plane ride home. Uh, Brian from Oregon, I can confirm that Coolish definitely does not survive the uh, plane ride home. Very tragic. Yeah. Very tragic. I mean, I, I always bring you Saki Kit Kats, or just Kit Kats in general, whenever I come back to the UK, mm. don't I? Um, what I tend to do the most is at Narita Airport, they've got loads of gift shops and things, and they seem to have a lot of good, well-packaged and well-branded sake. And people mm. love sake, even if they never drink it. I always bring back loads of sake for my friends and family, and a year later when I return, it's still there, unpackaged, not no one's touched it. Nevertheless, people love it, so I just I buy like seven or eight bottles of sake <laughs> in various forms and just ship that back and bring it with me and it always goes down well yeah so, yeah definitely. I'd say sake yeah what do you do Pete it's a good Choose shout side. yeah I mean like I mean um, the uh, airport you've always got a lot of yen in your back pocket um, make yeah. sure you get rid of all of the coins as many coins as you can uh, before you leave but um, yeah they've got some they've got a great range of uh, omiyage uh, kind of uh, like po- packaged snacks and treats um, you don't get many to a box but they're always very well uh, packaged and stuff buy one of those lig- um, they always sell those big circular cakes it's like a big um, massive giant polo mint but it's a cake um, <laughs> and you send, you bring them home you put them on the desk in, at work and, and nobody really gets involved to be honest it's a bit like a it's like a bready <laughs> cake isn't it so it's not particularly nice it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's just just get something uh, that no one's had before. Bit of mochi, bit of bit of nonsense. Um, there's actually quite a few shops on um, Piccadilly uh, near Green Park Station in uh, London that have uh, specific Japanese sweet shops, and they just sell like mochi um, cakes, rice cakes, and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and they always look really good, but I bet they're bloody expensive. Well, if you're if you're a dick like I am, I remember my uh, my gran wanted me to bring her back some Japanese fabrics and. Japanese various trinkets and things from yeah. Japan but I couldn't be bothered or I forgot and I got back to the UK and I just went on Amazon and just bought a few there and was like yeah. look Gran this is a trinket from Japan traditional Japanese sake cups when they've just been like sent from Coventry 
or something. Oh yeah, but, massively. Uh, that, that's the thing about the internet. The and that's that's, that's the well. thing about the internet and the global economy. Uh, in the you know the internet <laughs> brought everything together. I remember my my mate spending like loads of money and loads of his space in his bag with like treats and tat and ket. Uh, as they say in the northeast, candy. Um, and we got home, and there's a Japanese supermarket right around the corner from my house, and you could have bought all of those things in the Japanese yeah. supermarket. So there, if you do forget, uh, you can go around the corner and grab some, I don't know, fucking pocky or something. <laughs> yeah, just buy it all off the internet when you get yeah. back home. And yeah. Pretend you went to Japan. Yeah. Uh, go on from Giorgio, from Italy. Hi, Chris and Pete. I'm Giorgio from Italy. I listen to you usually when I'm going to university. I'm half Italian and half Czech, and I'm planning to go to Japan as soon as I can to do the same route as my father did in the 80s. You talked a few times about how France is viewed by Japan, but what about Italy and its people? How are they seen in Japan? I'd also like to know if Czech Republic and Prague are known in Japan, and if in my future trip I should present myself as half Italian and half Czech, or just choose one of the two nationalities. Love the channel, Giorgio. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like Giorgio Why? wants to get with a lady. <laughs> How shall I, <laughs> shall I pretend? Should yeah. He use? yeah. I think <laughs> Italy is a lot better known than the Czech, Czech Republic in Japan, no doubt about that, given... The abundance of Italian restaurants. Super uh, Mario. There's not a single street in Japan that hasn't got an Italian restaurant, to be fair. Whether it's good Italian food, uh, well, it's usually not. But uh, they certainly appreciate Italian culture. It's up there with France and the UK, I'd say. I don't know. I'd, I'd say just be yourself. Be the real you. That's all that matters. But if you want to lie, maybe just say you're from Italy. Because... Mm. They're much more likely to know stuff about Italy. I'd like um, I'd I'd like yeah. to hear um, a, a Japanese person pronounce Paragu. It must be Paragu, yeah. isn't it? Fantastic. Have you been to Have you been to Prague or Czech Republic? I've been to Prague. Beautiful, uh, great food, um, uh, inexpensive alcohol, and um, I um, yeah, we went all around the city. Beautiful, beautiful uh, place. Um, the, a lot of these um, cities. Uh, incurred the wrath of the stag do in the late nineties, early nineties. Uh, but I think it's calmed down a little bit in uh, Prague. I think I think Czech, Czech Republic is now called Czechia or Czechia. I think um, they rebranded and no one calls it the new name. Uh, it's the least successful rebranding of a country I've ever heard in my life. I think they call Czechia now. It's really weird. Um, I mean, I guess Georgia right. would know, but <laughs> yeah. Mm. What I do know is Prague has cheap cheese. A friend of mine went cheap there. Cheap cheese. Regaled stories of. Cheese platters that came in at very low prices. And well, I guess. Um, well, I guess. Did, don't, don't the um, in that part of the world isn't um, cheese actually quite? Um, it's coveted because obviously uh, Russia, uh, the, the the Russian um, trade uh, block means that Russians spend a lot of time trying to import naughty cheese because their own cheese isn't quite as good. Uh, and there's a, there's actually <laughs> an embargo on fancy cheese. Use the phrase naughty cheese. Naughty cheese. Naughty cheese. <laughs> Naughty little bit of cheese. That'd be a great brand. That'd be a great brand name <laughs> for some cheese. Naughty cheese. <laughs> um, we've got an email One. from Ben. Ben. Hello, Ben. Dear Chris and Pete Donaldson. Sorry. Um, it works. Um, I'm writing this letter in my desk near Cleveland, Ohio. Another Ohio uh, person uh, where I go to college. I've got to Tokyo for an internship this summer, and I have two urgent questions. Here we go. Uh, one, just a lot of dirty boys and girls, isn't there, texting in. Um, which nationality is sexiest for trying to chat up girls? I'm American from my father, but my mother is Finnish, and I was born and lived my life uh, prior to college in uh, Brussels, so I have a pick of the three. Or should I just lie and say I'm Italian? 
Why not go for being from Prague? Um, two, having grown up in Europe, I occasionally like a drink. Pete knows. But I'm only going to be 18 in Tokyo, so I fear I might not be able to uh, do much nightlife while I'm there. How strict are drinking laws in Japan? And could I get away with something? Uh, could I get away with sometimes uh, going out? I love the Sean podcast. Best Ben. Um, I can tackle a latter. You can probably tackle a former. <laughs> well, I love again... The question of nationality. What what nationality should I choose for chatting up Japanese yeah. women? I don't know. What I do know is American. I, I think American will probably do the will probably be the most successful. Actually, mm. Japanese girls seem to like Americans from my experience. But yeah, I don't know. I can't. I don't want to be on this podcast giving advice to people to deny their <laughs> to deny their nationality with to increase the chances of sleeping with a girl. That's not what I do. Probably, no. Uh, but no. Just just tell them you're from America, um, from your father, and that your mum is from Finland, and that you've lived in Brussels. I think you've got three potential nationalities to draw from, three potential chances to avenues. Uh, look good, yeah. Three avenues yeah. to explore. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I mean I mean I used Italian? to yeah I mean I used to think that uh, gimmicks and you know let's say suits uh, would help you get get with girls. Turns out. You actually have to um, be a decent conversationalist and a nice bloke. And let's face it, it helps that you're good looking and tall as well. So um, let's let, let, let's let's forget about the gimmicks and just deal with um, being an all right dude and, and just be interested you, in their lives. Have you ever lied about your where you're from? Have you ever told a girl that you're from somewhere no, that isn't uh, we were in, no, we were in, uh, no, no, God, no. Uh, we were in Tokyo once uh, and we were drunk and one of my friends said, thought it was funny to pretend we were in Franz Ferdinand. Uh, I think I've spoken about this before <laughs> the on the podcast. And uh, um, that got him nowhere because he was very much on the lookout. Um, and we uh, ended up in a karaoke uh, bar. The thing is, the thing about um, telling lies in 2019, everything's Google- Googleable. Um, so you, you, you can easily find out whether you're in um, Franz Ferdinand or not and clearly we're well, you're not on bloody in Franz Wikipedia last time I looked you're on Wikipedia I'm not on Wikipedia why are, you're you, on why Wikipedia. are you why are you obsessed with being on Wikipedia and having a blue tick it's it's because a very strange it's the only thing that matters it's because you it's live the on the internet your 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 legitimate your internet legitimacy I fear for you I fear for your psyche Chris it's meaningless <laughs> if it ends tomorrow no one will miss it <laughs> well What's interesting is I'm not on Wikipedia, but Abroad Japan is, and it's I don't know who's written it. I've always wondered who writes these things, but it's pretty yeah. well researched and pretty detailed. So, well, thank I mean, you it, to it's, whoever wrote it, yeah. Well, um, I didn't write my own Wikipedia, so people just write it for you, don't they? Because they they wrote it about the time I was on. You didn't write it. I thought you wrote it. No, it was very detailed. Somebody <laughs> managed to somebody wrote it when I was about when I just started on XFM about probably about twelve thirteen years ago, and um, yeah, because obviously a lot of those pages get removed. And uh, yeah, it was just some, somebody knew what university modules I did, so it must have been someone from my university. It must that have been. Creepy. Yeah, it's really weird. Very, very strange. And you know, have it's you still ever, up there though. While we're on the subject of chatting people up using nationalities, have you ever chatted someone up using your Wikipedia page? <laughs> no, I don't think I have. Chris. You definitely I should. I don't generally. I'm on uh, Wikipedia. I don't generally do uh, a lot of chatting up, to be honest. Uh, too busy being chatted up, mate. Too busy. Um, the drinking, <laughs> the drinking bit. I'm moving on. The drinking bit of this uh, question. Um, uh, yeah, you, you, you probably um, you got a short ID in uh, nightclubs and stuff, but you can get everywhere else um, with no ID. Uh, that's why I, I can't remember the last time I was asked for ID anywhere other than a nightclub. So you can probably drink until the cows yeah. come home. Uh, bars Obviously. don't generally ask. 
if you're under 20, I can't encourage you to, to drink alcohol in Japan. I can, I don't because care. Because that's breaking the law. But <laughs> what I will say is nobody, I don't think I've ever been ID'd and no. nobody I know has ever been ID'd outside of a nightclub. That's yeah. the only place. So. And if you and if you buy booze in a 7-Eleven, uh, all they do is ask you to click yes or no on their little screen yeah, when you're over do, 20. Yeah. yeah, they love that, don't they? Mm. You, have to t- you have to press a, a physical screen to confirm <laughs> how old you are. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Makes me feel like a badass motherfucker whenever I'm buying alcohol, <laughs> tapping a screen, being like, "Yeah, I'm old enough. I'm cool." <laughs> I am that sad. Um, we got a story here from Ade from New Zealand um, about his trip to Mount Fuji. Oh, um, do you want to read it out, Pete? Because right. you're the better vocalist. How dare you? Um, you have a great I'm not, voice. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in my little box and. Um, I've just realised the drawback of being in my little vocal box uh, that I've got, that I bought for bloody 800 quid or something. Um, it's going to get quite dusty, isn't it? And I'm incredibly sensitive to dust. <laughs> so I'm going to have to hoover my little box. I'm going to have to so hoover my box, attack. Chris. Yeah, it's very strange. In your um, podcast booth. We got an email from Ad here. Uh, Ad here here from uh, New Zealand. I've been a long time listener and uh, enjoy listening to the podcast on my way to university. I down- downgraded the word love listening to the podcast to enjoy listening to the podcast. So uh, as to not give us big heads. Now to the story. Me and my friend decided to go to Japan for a few a few days. Uh, sorry. Bleh. There we go. <laughs> Uh, me and a friend decided to go to Japan a few years ago in July for a week and a bit. Before we left, I was inspired by your video of uh, climbing Mount Fuji and really wanted to try the bullet climb for myself. Uh, after a few great days of exploring Tokyo from the sky to the Skichiji... Uh, Skichiji... Skichiji... <laughs> what is wrong with me this morning? Skiji. Skiji Market. Uh, we decided to make our way to Mount Fuji. We left most of our luggage in our Airbnb and packed up a few essentials, such as Picari Sweat, and took the bus to the mountain. We got to Mount Fuji at around 6, uh, and there seemed to be barely anyone there, which is a bit odd. We got some dinner at a restaurant and started climbing around 7. Once again, my friend and I seemed to be the only ones uh, there uh, and, and climbing, which mm-hmm. is a little bit ups- unset- upsetting, uh, unsettling and upsetting, uh, but we continued to walk up the mountain. The weather was great, and we could see the nearby towns lit up at dusk. About an hour into the climb, the weather uh, started to turn. It got really windy and it started to rain hard. We stopped by a little hut, which had some Japanese security guards and an American family inside. We wanted to take shelter in the hut, but got kicked out by the guards. Ugh. One of the family members was outside and yelling in Japanese at their phone, something about getting an ambulance. Once he was off the phone, he came up to my friend and, I, and told us that if we ever needed help on this mountain, we would never get it. He then went, walked back. He then went, walked back into the hut, visibly frustrated. It looked like one of the family members had hurt their leg and couldn't walk. At this point, we decided it wasn't the best idea to climb the mountain, so we walked back down. Once we were back down to where we started, we asked the security people if there if there were any buses back to Tokyo. Uh, this was around about nine p.m. Unfortunately, there weren't any, but there was a bus going to the nearest town, which had a small train station. So we decided to catch the bus. And when we uh, reached the town, we asked the people at the train station if there were any trains to Tokyo. They said no. There was a train to the next town over, which we could get a. Train to Tokyo, but we could possibly miss it if our train was late. We decided to risk it and ended up in the next town, missing the train to Tokyo, and stranded in a random town in the mountains in the middle of nowhere at 11pm. There were no hotels or hostels open, not even a convenience store, so we found two wooden benches next to the train station and set up our bed, (laughs) just using our bags as pillows. Once we were settled down after this big adventure, we started cracking up laughing, thinking about what a great yet unfortunate experience we were having. We had a really bad sleep until 4am. We then caught the train to Tokyo, uh, finally getting back to our Airbnb and sleeping until 1pm. Sorry for the long-winded story. That was my most memorable experience in Japan. Thanks for the great podcast, guys. Keep up the great work. Add here. I wonder what happened to the people in the weird hut. They all died. Yeah, somebody had hurt themselves. (laughs) Then they said they weren't going to... 
So bizarre. This sounds like an even worse experience than I had climbing Mount mm. Fuji. I, it's, I've met a few people, a good friend of mine climbed Mount Fuji in their first year and they got within striking distance of the summit and then the rain came and it turned into like a hurricane or something. It was right. Like, Really bad weather, and obviously yeah. you're exposed. You're three thousand eight hundred meters up a volcano. It must be terrifying, especially if there's thunder and lightning. I couldn't imagine a worse place to be. So, yeah, yeah, this is not a good story. Uh, well, it's quite a funny story, but it's not a great experience. Yeah, it's um, memorable. Well, I mean, how do you feel reading this? Because you're considering climbing Mount Fuji, aren't you? In June, I was considering. Yeah, um, I'll be all right. I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> As, as long as yeah. I mean, to be honest, I mean, like, if you're that far away, you'd just be like, oh, I'll just get, I'll just spend a ridiculous amount of money on a taxi to get home. Like, <laughs> I can't, you know, I'll just, I'll just get a taxi to a hotel. And I know it's like going to cost me a ridiculous amount of money, but it's better than sleeping on it a bench. It would be about four hundred dollars, I think. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you just got to make peace with being an idiot, and I've made peace plenty of times of being a bloody idiot. <laughs> Poor old Ade. Uh, it's, it must no, be really Ade. disheartening, though, to get so close to the summit of Mount Fuji and have to give up and go all the way back down and then miss all the trains and sleep on a bench. Yeah, that's not, not, not ideal. Nobody not ideal. That. <laughs> but yeah, those those huts are pretty treacherous. You get to a hut about 3,000 metres up and then they're just they're not very nice. I didn't stay in one. I wanted to stay in one, but it was fully booked. But you look in through the window and it looks like a ghetto. Everyone's sleeping on top of each other, just really loud and horrible. But so I they guess don't it's still of... better than sleeping outdoors <laughs> on a rock so, like I did. Yeah, so you don't like, so you don't ever, so, so there's not even a little kind of place you can stay that's out of the wind a little bit. There's not even a little shelter. There's just the not huts really. and nothing else. I, I remember getting to the summit of Mount Fuji and it was really busy at about 3am because yeah. lots of people get there for the for the sunrise, right? Yeah. Um, and I remember getting to the toilet and there was a queue and I got to the front of the queue, opened the toilet door and... Inside the toilet, there was just a pile of people sleeping on top of each other. Not in the actual cubicles themselves, but like just dotted around the urinals and just in the room. It was really weird. I've never seen anything quite like it, but it just shows you how desperate people get at that point because it is bloody cold up there. Even in the height of August, it's still yeah. like minus five or something. So it's, it's seriously cold. And yeah, it's not nice when you've just climbed it all night long, but you'll see some desperate scenes up there. You'll ask, you'll ask yourself if it really Why is have worth I done this? It just to see the sun come up over some mountains. <laughs> Still undecided so, was, on if it was worth it or not. But. Yeah, well, I mean, there's enough mountains in uh, in, Fu- in, in in Fuji. There's enough mountains in uh, Japan that you can <laughs> climb that are, uh, a little less... Um, a little less... There's, there's fewer people doing it, and it's a bit more fun, I imagine. Um, oh, so you absolutely. Could probably, you, could, you could always, like... You could always just choose a, a slightly smaller mountain or a mountain almost as big. But because I guess mm. um, a lot of the times when you climb Mount Fuji, from what I've read, you're actually getting a... Uh, a bus up to quite a high point anyway so like there are other mountains that you can start from the bottom and take just as much time to get up and down uh, and feel like just as much of an achievement but it won't be as busy um and you know it won't be because hell is other people as as a great man once said uh or i think that (laughs) might actually be misquoted but um yeah it's 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 um if you want a a slightly more sedate and relaxing uh, walk up a mountain you might you might be better off choosing a a different mountain well absolutely i mean as you say, the bus, the bus to Mount Fuji, you get off at the fifth station, 
which is already about 2,100 metres up. Yeah. So you kind of already cheated out of the first 2,000 metres. You can start at the bottom if you are mental or looking for a real challenge. <laughs> um, I wouldn't advise it. It's still a tough climb from the fifth station to the yeah. top. It's pretty vertical, um, pretty steep. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've cli- the, my favourite place to climb is Mount Chorkai in uh, Yamagata, where I used to live, um, because there's nobody there because it's in the middle of nowhere. Aye. Uh, but when you get to the top, you have a 360 view of the Sea of Japan, the plains of Yamagata, the mountains in the distance. It's just a much more relaxing, incredible view. So yeah. if you've got a bit more time to spare, go north to Mount Chokai and give that a climb. It's much more rewarding. And it's not as high. Um, it's 2,200 metres, but mm. you still have a fair climb. It still takes an eight-hour round-trip journey to climb it up and down. Yeah. And that's, for my money, a lot more pleasant. Ah, well, there um, we go. There you go. But keep the messages, keep the stories, the questions coming in, guys, to abroadjapanpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'll be back same time next Thursday. But for now, no matter where you might be, out there in the big wide world, have yourself a great week, and we'll see you next week. Have a good one. See you later. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.